Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Well, if God's ever been good to you, can you give him a hand clap of praise? I love that. God is, I thought that was just a, a perfect way for my first scripture. That great, uh, what a great song to end with. Psalms 37, 25. Once I was young and now I'm old. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I used to say, people say, how old are you? I'm like 29. Like 29, you look, you look horrible for 29. Yeah, why do we always go with the young age? So now I'm like, I'm 72. They're like, you look awesome for 72. So I once was young, but, and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. God is so good. God's such a good Heavenly Father, and he always takes care of his children. I'm glad to be one of God's children. Yeah, come on. Are y'all awake tonight? Are you glad to be one of God's children? You can be confident that, that if, you're, if you're putting your trust in him, God is good. He'll take care of you. He'll meet your needs, even in difficult days. Even in, How many have ever had some difficult days? Sometimes uh, 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 when gas prices were really high? Yeah, but he said, I never, I've never seen the godly abandoned. It means no matter how high the gas prices get, you'll still be able to get gas. All right, he'll still make sure you're taken care of. No matter what it looks like, no matter what the economy looks like, he said he'll always, he can supply everything you need, even, in, even if there's a recession, even if the gas prices get high, because he is your provider, he is your provider, even in times of famine. In the Old Testament, my goodness, he used the prophet Elijah to, to help the little widow bring the provision that she needed, right? A little meal. She had one meal, one little bit of oil left. You can read about it in 1 Kings 17, right? there, She was there, and all of a sudden, knock on the door, you know, and she opened the door, and he's like, Hi, I'm Elijah the prophet. And she's like, I know. I watch you on Christian TV. <laughs> he thought, I thought I'd come over and see if you had a pancake. She's like, you, you and all the other preachers on TV just want my pancakes. <laughs> he said, look, you give me a pancake and here's what God's going to do for you. I love it. I love it because he laid out a picture of the provider. He said, look, you give me a pancake. And he took out his paintbrush of faith and he began to paint a picture for her. Your, your, your last meal, the little meal for you and your son, the oil, the oils. Here, look at all these jars of oil. Start point, point, painting pictures of oil and flour. You don't have you're on your last little bit of flour. Look at this. Start bags of flour. Just painted a beautiful picture of faith and said, look, if you can let go of that pancake, open your hand up, look what God can do for you. And if we understood God as a provider, he is a good, good father. Then Elisha, look at that, just a... Uh, over in 2 Kings, Elisha had a word of the Lord for another widow, miraculously blessed with a, just a, a little cruise of oil, a little thing of oil, and she started pouring it out, and it kept pouring out, pouring out. As long as she had stuff to pour it in, it just kept coming out. It just, an abundant supply. We were talking this morning, uh, some of you, a couple of you were here this morning, but we were talking about, if you're online with us, maybe you missed this morning, we were talking about the Niagara Falls. Just, it, it, never, it never runs out. 
that's kind of God we serve a God. How many know God's supply never runs out? So if he takes care of you according to his riches, not your riches, according to his, how many know God's supply never runs out? Our supply may run out, but if our trust and our hope is in him, you can count on that. You can take it to the, uh, the bank God provides for his people. That's what I'm going to talk to you about a little bit tonight uh, for those of you to put your trust in him. I mean, in, a, in America, our money's even printed, right, with the slogan, in God we trust. If there was ever a time we needed to put our trust in God, it'd be now, wouldn't it? And so we put our faith and confidence, our hope in him. And uh, so we're going to get in a little bit of that. It's so good to be uh, at Res Life this weekend, and uh, I'm glad you came out tonight. And I got a few things. I'm just going to teach you a little bit tonight, share with you. I think it's really going to help you. Always an honor to be here. And I love, uh, love your pastors. Just the whole team here at Res Life. Just amazing. You're just part of just an awesome, awesome church that's doing amazing things. And, uh, and, and the heart for the world. My goodness, don't, don't miss being a part of that. Uh, and watch what God will do as you just stretch your faith. And, uh, and watch what God will do through you, how he'll use you, but how he'll bless you on the other side. He wants to prosper you and bless you so that you can be uh, a blessing. Uh, a couple of people asked, they got my, the book on mindset. We talked about mindset this morning, and uh, there's a few copies of that left back there. And, uh, someone asked me about signing, and, and I'll, I'm going to come back there at the end. If you brought it, you got it this morning, want me to sign it, I will sign it tonight. Um, also, there's a few of them left. I don't feel like taking them home with me. Uh, you know, I'm going to give you a little, uh, little Christmas deal uh, tonight. So if you buy one, I'm going to give you, you can get a second. These are like stocking stuffers here. These are a little book. They'll fit right in the stocking. So I'm gonna, if you buy one, uh, BOGO. Is that what they call it? A BOGO? If you buy one, you, I'm going to give you another one. So you can be, be a blessing to somebody else. Say thank you. At least be grateful. That's very generous of me to give you one for free. If you bought it this morning, too bad. Um, but if you, if you get it tonight, well, well anyway. All right. <laughs> let's, get, let's, let's jump in this. Uh, God's supply. Let's just, keep, let's just keep going on this for a little bit. Uh, God's supply doesn't always come like you may think. How many has God ever blessed you in a way that you weren't expecting? Yeah, we've all seen that. The Bible says in Philippians chapter four, verse 19, I always encourage you, write these scriptures down, right? When pastor's speaking, when anybody's uh, speaking, I saw it next week, you got Shannon O'Dell, and uh, I, took a, I took a picture and, uh, and sent to him, and I said, hey, look, I see you, you're coming next week. I said, I feel like John the Baptist. I just, <laughs> I just came to prepare the way for a greater one, shall come after me. So uh, you're going you're gonna to enjoy him. If you've never heard him, I know he's been here a couple times before, but you're going to love him. But uh, my God shall supply most of the needs that I have. No, my God shall supply what? All of my needs. He is not limited by what you have. Your, your checkbook may be limited. God's is not. He's not governed by how much you get paid. Well, how am I ever going to do that? I only get this much. He's not hindered uh, by your lack. He's not hindered by what you need. He supplies your needs out of an entirely different source. His supernatural supply, like I said, comes out of his riches in glory. His riches. It's not your riches that bring your provision. It is his riches. How many of you can count on God? 
It's not your uncle's riches, not your rich aunt that died and left you an inheritance, his riches. And we, we need to understand how this supernatural supply of God works so that we can tap into God's economy. Because there's a whole different economy as believers that we can, that we can live in because of our trust and confidence and our hope being in Him. And some believers in, in terms of, uh, financial pressure or going through a season uh, of, uh, how, how many have ever had some financial pressure? Yeah, most of us all have. I've had some ups and, and, and downs and, and God's blessed me greatly. And I've been through some seasons where I, I needed, I needed all my trust and hope was in Him. And, uh, and, and attempting to figure a way out of my trouble on my own. And so many times we try to figure it out on our own. And I've tried that and I found out it mu- it's much easier to put my hope and trust in, in Him. Turning from, from faith, we started looking for all these logical ways to cut, cut corners and save money and do this and do that. And, and often the first thing that we do is we, we stop, well, I got to say somebody, so the first thing we do is we stop giving, right? Stop tithing. I'm going to be able to tithe. We stop our giving. And, and that, that, I'll tell you what, that's going to make matters worse. It's going to make matters. Now, I'm not saying if you tithe, you're never going to have a problem again with your finances. I'm not going to say it. Now, he did say he'd open up the windows of heaven over your life. He'd rebuke the devourer. That sounds pretty good. He, he brings protection to your family. Yeah, how many want protection? God's protection, right? You don't want to be on vacation, forgot to tithe you 30,000 feet in the air in an airplane. It's dangerous. <laughs> but it, 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 when, we, when we stop doing it, see, there's a covenant we have with God when we honor him. And we trust him in this area of our finances. And what happens is the first thing we do is we, is we stop giving or we stop, we stop tithing and we make matters worse and we break the covenant with God and we are no, then we're no longer seeking first or putting first the kingdom of God. We fail to trust in the Lord for our provision. And then we find ourselves in a deeper place and, and more need than we were even before. But God's ways are not the same as our ways. So the way we try to figure it out is different. The laws that govern his eternal kingdom are supernatural. That's where that whole faith thing comes in, not natural. Because it doesn't make sense in the natural, how am I going to do this? I mean, if I give you 10, I can't make it on 100%, but you want me to give God 10%. Now, I really can't make it on 90%. But I'm, I'm telling you, my dad used to tell me this. And I mean, he taught me about tithing off and tithing off. And boy, you better pay your tithe. God will kill you or if, if you don't. And... Uh, that's how we learned about it growing up. Now, God's not killing people. Don't worry. I mean, in the Bible, Ananias and Sapphira, he killed them. But, I mean, that was in the Bible. Don't worry about that. Um, it's way back. You know. to, us, to us growing up, God was like the godfather of the mafia. And tithe was like protection money. Just Give God his money, he won't break your legs. Burn your house down, just give me. We didn't learn the joy of giving. Here we heart for the kingdom. We see all the vision, all the amazing things God's doing. And it's a joy to be generous and, and to give. We went to kids' church, they taught us songs. God will take it out of your hide if you don't pay your tithe. You know, that's kind of how I grew up. So, so this took a whole shift in my mindset and in my thinking. But my dad did always teach me that if I put God first, the 90% would go further than the 
If I'd give God 10% first, put first the kingdom of God, God would put his blessing on the 90%, and 90% that was blessed would be much more than 100% that wasn't blessed. And I tell you what, I have found it to be true. I found it to be true. Doesn't make sense. It's a faith thing. It's a supernatural thing. But like I said, God's ways are higher than our ways. The Bible tells us that the, the, the things of the, the spirit are foolish to the natural mind. Is that what the Bible says? It is. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 10. You can write that down. It's what the Bible says. That the, 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 the things that, that of the spirit, they seem foolish. It seems foolish to me if I can't pay all my bills on 10% or on 100%, why I would give God part of that? Doesn't make, and God said he'd help me get through if I doesn't make sense to the natural mind. It's foolish to the natural mind. But every, every dynamic of God's word is supernatural. It's spiritual, and it's it's attained or apprehended only by faith. See, that's where this whole faith thing comes in. I mean, how do you even get born again? Most of us in here have made a decision to give our life to God, say yes to God. We'd we'd say we were born again. And how many know that took faith? She said, I don't have any faith. Well, you had to have enough even to just get saved. You got to have enough faith. You got to, you're baptized by faith. You take communion by faith. You tithe by faith. Giving away, like I said, 10% of your income doesn't make sense. Giving any money away. Giving money to the poor. Oh, my goodness, that doesn't make sense. But God promises, his, his promises will work for those who obey them in faith. And rather than, than backing away from God's word in time of need, we press into God's word. We obey his word. And this covenant with God stays intact. And especially in times of lack or times of, of, of famine, you need God's supernatural help more than ever. It's in those times. And there's, there, there, there are kind of, uh, of times to, to call in the harvest on the eternal investments that we made. The, the Gentile in um, the, the centurion, uh, where is that? Acts? It's in Acts. Ten, Yes. Thank you. Acts 10. I should know that. I'm the guy preaching tonight. <laughs> it's a great story about a centurion named Cornelius. And, and uh, he, was, he was commended for his prayer and for his almsgiving, for giving to the poor. And this angel appeared to him and, and said his prayers and his alms had come up to God as a memorial. That's what it said. It came up as a, as a memorial. The Lord was so impressed with this guy's praying and and giving and the giving of this God-fearing man that even before he was converted, even before he was converted, he, he sent both an angel and an apostle to bring the words of eternal life to this guy and to his family. God's principles work. God's principles work for everybody. You know, sowing and reaping is, is a life principle, right? It's not just a money principle. And you, you don't even have to be a Christian for it to work. It's a principle. Right? How many know? How many know anybody who does farming? Plants? Even has a little garden in their yard. Let me see. Anybody know anybody like that? Anybody know anybody like that that's not a Christian? Anybody? Okay, quite a few of you. I got an uncle, horrible sinner. Grows the best tomatoes though. <laughs> you know, I found every time he plants tomato seeds in his backyard, he takes care of them. It produces tomato plants. This sowing and reaping thing doesn't didn't ask him if he was a Christian. 
It, it, it just works. It's a principle. It's a principle. And, and, God, and, and there are ungodly people using godly principles to achieve ungodly results. In the church, a lot of times, we don't know the principle. There's a big difference between the person of Jesus and the principles of Jesus. The person of Jesus prepares you for heaven. The principles of Jesus prepare you for earth. And so you've got to know these godly principles. And, and so God's principles work. They work for this centurion, Cornelius, even before he, he gave his heart to God. So, so understanding these, these principles. Principles work. They work all the time. Doesn't matter where you are. They work in Grand Rapids the same that they work in Detroit. They work in Michigan the same as they work in Mississippi. Or they work in America the same as they work in Brazil. Principles, principles work, right? They, they work. Um, there's a few principles that need to work in Detroit, especially the lions. Man, that was, that's sad. What made me think of that? Oh, they were doing so good. Two weeks in a row, they didn't lose. I had a bye week and then they tied. Anyway, um, I can't make lines. We got like four players now that come to our church. And so I can't make bad jokes about them. But here, I can say whatever I want. They are. Anyway, I won't do that. So, so I want, I want to, I'm going to share with you a couple principles of how God's, God's economy works tonight. His economy is not based on the way, ways of the world or the wisdom of men. It's a supernatural economy that's rooted in the kingdom. And, and these are, are the ways that you'll prosper in challenging times and in, in any times. These are the ways that will work. So part of God's plan for this divine economy relate to our giving. We started talking about that a little bit this morning, and it's all outlined in the Bible. The New Testament approach is based on some broad divine principles rather than a detailed plan like he gave to Israel when they had to bring their offerings. They were specific and comprehensive. And, and, and like I, I said, principles work anywhere. They work everywhere, and they're, they're based on, on God's New Testament plan. Now, his New Testament plan crosses cultures, crosses economic boundaries. So these principles, if you're in here and you are a multimillionaire, they're going to work for you. If you're in here and you don't know how you got enough gas to get home tonight, these are going to work for you. Okay? That's how God's principles work. They, they cross cultures. They cross economic boundaries. They worked in Jerusalem. They worked in Antioch. They worked in Thessalonica. They work in Granville. And uh, uh, whether the church was Jewish believers or Gentile Christians, they worked. They, they, they just work. And so what I'm going to share with you will work in, uh, in our Western world, our affluent society. They, they'll also, my grandfather used to tell me, uh, my grandfather's a preacher too. My dad's a preacher. My grandfather, my great-grandfather, I was talking to, my grandfather just passed away. Um, uh, he was, he was old. Um, i trying to remember how old he was. Nine, uh, I don't know. He has an autographed copy of the Bible, if that tells you how old he, that's, some of y'all get that later. Uh, anyway, my grandfather, he's, he did a lot of missions work in third world countries. And he said, he said, Dave, this stuff you teach is good. I mean, I, but you can't teach that in a third world country. I said, well, why, why, why not? If, if it's the Bible, if the principles work, I believe they'll work in an affluent society or they will work in the most deprived community in a third world country. The Bible is the Bible, right? So it's relevant any place in the world, and it's relevant at any moment in history. That's why these principles, a lot of these that were thousands of years ago, still work today. So 
What are some of these principles? Well, one of them, to live in, a, in this divine economy or this God's economy, is that we should each give according to our ability. I love that because he doesn't, he doesn't think I can give to the same degree as Warren Buffett. He's not making me give to the same degree. That's one of the reasons we have a percentage, right? When we tithe, it's not all the same. Didn't like everybody give $500 this week. Everybody give a thousand, everybody give 20. No, it is just according to your ability. The New Testament makes it very clear that God's plan is for all Christians to be involved in sharing their material possessions to carry out God's work. All those who are Christians have a heart for the kingdom, and so we all have a part. The principle was modeled in Jerusalem, is modeled by the church in Antioch, even when they were in a, a severe famine and in serious need. Uh, you know what? Let's look at, let me look, let's look at something real quick. Uh, Corinthians. There's a scripture, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Oh my goodness, that time is going fast. Let me, let, let's just read this, and, and I'm, that's about all I'm going to have time for tonight. This is going to be good. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 2. I'm going to read this from the Amplified Version. It looks like this is what I got here. Uh, we, we want to tell you further, brethren. So this is Paul. And he's kind of describing the Macedonian church. Now, as he describes this, I think it, it should be our church too. This should be how God would describe us. Um, we want to tell you, brethren, about the grace the, that we read this scripture this morning, the favor and spiritual blessing of, of God that was evident in the churches of Macedonia. No, we didn't read this scripture this morning. That was in 2 Corinthians 9. Um, arousing in them the desire to give alms. For in the midst of an ordeal of severe tribulation, their abundance of joy and their depth of poverty together, my goodness, they were happy and broke. I didn't know you could be happy and broke, did you? That's, a, that's what, it, obviously we can be happy and, and broke. They were, had an abundance of joy and a depth of poverty. But they put them together, and together they overflowed in a wealth of lavish generosity on their part. For as I can bear witness, they gave according to their ability. So we're talking about according to their ability. Yes, and beyond their ability. And they did it voluntarily, begging us most insistently for the favor and fellowship of contributing uh, to the ministry for the relief of the saints in Jerusalem. Now, what, nor what their gift, this, this gift of theirs, they're mere, merely the contribution that was, uh, was, expect, was, was more than was expected. And they first, they gave themselves to the Lord and to us as their agents by the will of God. Oh, look at this part. Entirely disregarding their personal interest. Oh, man. Don't you ever wish there were some lines you could just leave out? Well, I have my own interest. They, they gave, wait, they gave as much as they possibly could. Who are these crazy people, these Christians? I mean, who would want to disregard their own interest and give as much as they could? Putting themselves at our disposal to be directed by the will of God. So much so that we have urged Titus that as he began it, he should also complete this um, gracious contribution uh, among you. Okay. 
So let me give you, let me give you like six things I see in here that I think every one of us should have. Six, six um, in this description that I, I think that should be us. As, as if someone was describing res life and, uh, and here's the kind of givers they are. Number one, we see it in verse two and three, they gave sacrificially. They gave sacrificially. Um, the Macedonians, they were poor. So yes, they were, yet they were able to sacrifice. How much more do we have in the world today, yet we never want to sacrifice? Now, I grew up in Mississippi. Mississippi, when you list the states, one through 50, you know, and they're like education. We, 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 well, Louisiana's thankful for us because they're only 49. We're number 50. Like income, Arkansas, Louisiana, they love us because, again, we come in like down there at 50, right? Mississippi, we're the bottom, down at the very bottom. Now, when they do the chart of, of the top 50 states, when it comes to generosity, we're up in the top 10 when it comes to generosity. Now, places like New Hampshire and places that are in the top 10 when it comes to income, they're in the bottom 10 when it comes to generosity. So understanding generosity has nothing to do with the amount you give. It's the heart and the sacrifice that you make, right? Here they were some poor people, yet they sacrificed. And a lot of times we, when, we're, when we're just making, I remember living in a little government-assisted apartment, and I would give, man, I'd give everything. It was a sacrifice. But the more I was blessed, well, my goodness, you know, at one time I shared this morning, I gave $500. It was everything I had. I had $503. I gave it all. Today, hmm, that'd be a little harder to give it all. You see what I'm saying? There's times when sacrificing, oh yeah, I sacrificed. But how about now? Are we still willing to sacrifice the way we, the way we did? These people were willing to, and I think it's really God's plan. It didn't, their sacrifice didn't lessen their generosity. Because they were poor, it didn't lessen their generosity. It actually magnified it. And, and somehow, our sacrifice, no matter where we are, if when you feel it a little bit, you know, when you give and you don't even, oh, that's easy, I, I'll just give that. And you don't even feel it a little bit, there's not much sacrifice in, in that. And, and I think sometimes when, we, when you feel it, when there's that sacrifice, it magnifies. And here, even in their sparse circumstances, they, they found a way to give. They weren't able to do much, but they did as much as they possibly could. They gave all that they, they could, right? We're like, God, you're so good to me. I just want to, I, I get, I wouldn't be who I am today. Everything I am belongs to you. God's like the, the guy who went to the perfume store on his anniversary. He says, my wife, it's our anniversary. She's amazing. I wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for her. She's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I mean, every, she is the most amazing woman in every way. I just want to bless her. I, what is the best thing you got in this store? I want to give, she deserves the best because she is the best. What's the best? And the guy said, oh, you want to give her the best? I tell you exactly. Hold on one second. He goes in the back, comes out with this beautiful, ornate perfume bottle. Just beautiful. Says, Look at this. Ooh, that's beautiful. It's the best we got. I mean, just smell it. You just need a little squirt. You say, oh, man, just filled the room. So that's beautiful. He goes, that's your best thing? He goes, that's the best we got. He goes, okay, how much is it? I want that. He goes, it's, it's, it's $595. He's like, for that little bottle? He's like, yeah, for that little bottle. Ooh. You got anything cheaper? He said, I thought she was the best. You wanted to give her the best. She was the most amazing thing. You got anything cheaper? He said, hold on. Guy went in the back, came out, and held up a mirror. 
in that way, we are, oh God, you're the best. I love you. You are the air I breathe. God says, can you give me, ah, God, you got anything cheaper? You got a less amount that I could, I could, anyway, just a thought. Number one, they gave sacrificially. Second thing I noticed was that they gave supernaturally. They gave supernaturally. Verse, verse three, I love this. It says they gave beyond their ability. How do you give beyond your ability? It says, it says they gave beyond their ability because their giving was empowered and enlarged by God. See, the fact that you don't possess large sums of money is... It doesn't you can still be a large giver when God puts his blessing on it. God's spirit makes it possible for you to use that faith, to defy logic. Remember we were talking about that today, to defy logic, to give more than you really, it was beyond my ability. I'll tell you, our church was building a youth center. Pastor wanted to build it debt-free. Wanted to build it debt-free. It's gonna be $3.2 million to build the youth center. And so he's encouraging everybody. My wife leans over and says, I think God wants us to give $25,000 for the youth center. And I said, um, I don't feel that. <laughs> and so uh, I was thinking, we're, I was, we're gonna give 10,000. I'd saved up, I had 10,000. And so we were gonna give, to, still, that's a lot of money, $10,000. That's a whole lot of money. That's a nice very generous gift, I thought. And so I planned to do that. And, and the Holy Spirit says, will you give $25,000 to the youth center? I said, I don't have $25,000. I got $10,000. He said, I didn't ask you how much you had. I asked you if you would be willing to give $25,000 to the youth center. I said, if I had it, of course, I, yes, I would do it. He said, okay. I, I said, what do you mean, okay? Then he reminded me, he said, I'll supply seed to the sower. I said, but that's beyond my ability. My ability is 10,000. He says, I want you to give beyond your ability. And I said, okay, I made a pledge that we'd give, we had 90 days, I think, to get it in. So I said, okay, we're gonna give 25,000. I went ahead and gave the 10,000 so God could start working with that. He started multiplying it. And you know, if you don't have it all, get something in the ground to give God something to start working with, right? So I gave what I could. God began to multiply. All of a sudden, uh, a, a check that I forgot all about, uh, someone owed me some money, wasn't even expecting it ever to come back. They sent a check, $5,000. Man, all right, there we are. Now we just need 10,000 more. Uh, no, 500 came in here, 1,000 came in there. All of a sudden, God started supplying seed to sow. And then, then remember that part about disregarding your personal interest? He reminded me about the money I've been saving for my Disney cruise. He said, you know, that would take care of the rest of the 25. Shoot. That was my Disney cruise money. But you know what? It's better to obey God, right? And trust in him, put my confidence in him. I said, God, that, hey, I'm going to get, and he gave us the ability that, and we finished off our $25,000 beyond, it was beyond our ability. But when God gets involved, and you let your faith begin. Let him work with your faith. Stretch your faith. You'll be amazed at what you can do and how he'll, how he'll use you. And every time, every time we have, have raised the standard of our giving, God raises the standard of our living. Every time. God, when you sow, how many know it always comes back more than you give? And then he gives you the ability to give again. It's not just so you can hoard it all up for yourself, but it's so that you can continue to grow in your faith. And, and then he says, number three, well, third thing I saw here, and these are just things that I think should describe us at Res Life here as believers, as Christians, really. They gave joyfully. 
they gave. It says the Bible said, verse 2, out of an abundance of joy. They were happy about this. What does 2 Corinthians 9 tell us? Uh, God loves a what kind of giver? Cheerful. Cheerful giver. God's able to make all grace abound to you that you'd have all sufficiency in everything, that you'd have an abundance for every good deed. I remember, I remember um, one time we were in New York City at Christmas time, and uh, you know how they got the um, Salvation Army, the red buckets, you know, and they're ra- ra- ringing the bells. And in New York City, they're all over New York City. And I thought, you know what, this is going to be a this is going to be it. I'm going to prove this right here, that I'd, have, I'd be able to give to every good work. So I said, every red bucket I see, I'm going to drop something in it. And so I'm like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. I start off that morning. Yeah, boom. Yeah, oh, there's another one. Boom. Ah, there's a lot of red buckets in New York City <laughs> on Christmas time. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I think let's go back to the room for a little while. Because um, I, I kept giving, but God kept every, every opportunity. I, I want to give every opportunity I have, I want to be generous. Because the grace of God is, according to the scriptures, directly connected with giving. And when you fail to see giving as a grace, what happens is it becomes a burden instead of a blessing. We're like, oh, I have to give. Instead of, oh, I get to give. See, you don't have to come to church. You get to come to church. You don't have to serve, you get to serve. You don't have to give, you get to give. It's a grace that we have. So, so we get to have, not have to have. This. So, so there's grace living, but also there is grace giving. That it becomes a joy every chance you have. At number four, they gave willingly. They gave willingly. Like I said, don't have to, we get to. It says they gave on their own they gave of their own accord. They weren't forced into giving. They didn't even wait to be asked. They just saw a need and they volunteered, right? They weren't, they weren't drafted, they enlisted. I love that. Oh, growing up, like I said, we were forced to give. Like I, I, here, we don't have big ushers. Like we don't look for the biggest guys. Put them at the end of the row like... <clears throat> You can do better. Pass that bucket back down that row right there. No. It's something that we willingly have an opportunity to honor God, right? And then it, it, they gave eagerly. I love this part. You read the whole account of this, this whole thing we just read there. In verse 4, it said it was the people, not the pastor, that were begging for the opportunity to give. They were so eager to give because to them it was a privilege to give to God, to give to help others, to be generous. That was a privilege that they had. And so they were, they were, they were looking for it because maybe, they, maybe they'd heard the, the Lord say it was more blessed to give than to, maybe they were actually there. They didn't just read it. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Think about that. I, I remember, when, I forgot to take the offering one um, when one night at church, and, and I was closing the service, and, and one guy in the back goes, had his envelope. He's like, hey, pastor, pastor, forgot the offering. I was like, oh, my goodness, thank you. I saw like four other people look at him and like. <laughs> but this guy, man, he was eager. Hey, I don't want to miss the opportunity because he understood it was an opportunity. 
See, every chance, it's an opportunity we have to give back to the one who gave us everything. I don't know about you, but I love to take advantage of a good opportunity. How many like taking advantage of good opportunities, right? When you get a good opportunity, man, that's a good opportunity. I don't want to miss that. Remind me of this guy in Mississippi where I grew up, this old farmer, had a, um, had a pond out in the back of his, his farm, beautiful pond, just perfectly well-shaped, but it just sat back there. No one ever used it. He thought, man, I should, I should clean it up back there, fix it up, and it'd be a great swimming hole. I could just, you know, tell, tell, tell people in town they could take advantage of the opportunity. So he fixed it all up, planted some fruit trees, put some benches back there, and just started spreading the word around town. Hey, if you want to go swimming, I got a little swimming hole back on the back of my property there, a little farm in Mississippi, and just feel free to use it. Take advantage. It's, it's an opportunity for everybody. It's going, going great. A few months have gone by, and the farmer said, I think I'm going to go down there and see if anyone's taking advantage of the opportunity. So on his way out of the, uh, out of the house, he grabbed a five-gallon bucket he had in the garage. He thought, I'm going to take it down there. I'm going down there anyway. I might as well see how the fruit trees are doing. Maybe I'll grab some fruit off the fruit trees. And so as he got closer, he heard some people swimming down there. And, he, and as he got closer, he heard them. And, 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 and uh, it was, it was a, there was a group of girls skinny dipping in this pond down there. He's like, what in the world? One of them saw him coming. And she said, hey, old man, you stop right there. Don't come any closer. She said, don't think you're going to come down here and see us. You just, and he goes, girls, I didn't come down here for that. He held up his bucket. He said, I just came down here to feed my alligator. <laughs> Take advantage of a good opportunity, I guess, is what that, I don't know, though. That's bad, bad reference for that joke. But anyway, anyway number, number six, number six, they gave... They gave unexpectedly. They gave unexpected. Kind of like that joke, huh? It's kind of unexpected. They gave unexpectedly. Paul, Paul wrote that they gave, verse 5, not as we had expected. So he implies here that his, of his own reluctance, he's like, I, 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 didn't want to even, I didn't want to encourage him because he knew the, the situation they were in. He knew that they, they were in some, some hard times themselves. But grace giving, when God puts his grace and breathes on it, it is, there's always an element of the unexpected. I, I can't wait a couple weeks as, as we all, God speaks to hearts and we, we pray and we obey, right? We pray and we obey. God, what do you want me to do? And God speaks to our heart. We pray and we obey. And I can't wait till they get done. And pastor's like, oh my goodness. Pastor Wayne's like, it's, this is more than I expected. I, I can't believe what God, why? Because we were able to give beyond our ability. We allowed God to supernaturally work through us and use our faith. And, and, and we gave unexpectedly. Then last, they gave I love this. They gave personally. It says, first, they gave themselves to the Lord. See, when you, when you give yourself to God, when you put him first in your heart, it makes it easy to put him first in your relationships. It makes it easy to put him first in your finances. It makes it easy to put him first in your health. In all those areas, God will put you first in your health. Yeah, I've been trying to work on that one myself, Right? But he's just been reminding me that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm like, I got to take better care of myself. 
I don't remind you of that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm a temple. I've been building a mega church. And I've just found out I'm a temple. Anyway, been trying to do better. But then I saw a t-shirt the other day said, fat people are harder to kidnap. I'm like, I got to protect myself, right? It's, it can be it's dangerous out there. You skinny people, you got to watch out. Can't even hardly go out of the house. Anyway, so they knew, here's the thing. They knew that God wanted their gifts and their giving of themselves. God, we give you my, ourselves. We give you a heart. When you put God first, how many found life goes better when you put God first? Yeah. And it helps you put him first in all those other areas. When God, when God owns us, he owns all that we have, makes it easy, makes it easy to give. So I, I encourage you, I encourage you to, to, to put your faith and confidence in God. Trust, trust God. Give unexpectedly. Trust him. Be eager for the opportunity. I can't wait. Some of you won't even be able to wait till the first Sunday. God's already spoken to you of what you're supposed to do. And you may just write on the album and say, I got to get it in now. I got to, I want this to start working for me. They gave willingly. We don't have to. And you're going to do it happily because God's going to get involved supernaturally with your giving because of the sacrifice that you made. Father, I just thank you tonight. Uh, Lord, as we just looked at some simple, a simple scripture of Paul describing the giving culture of the Macedonian church, and Lord, we said, that's a culture all of us should have in our giving. Lord, we give not out of a sense of, of duty, but out of a desire to please the one who gave himself for us. God, you loved us so much that you gave your very best for us, and Lord, we thank you for opportunities we have to honor you. Lord, I just thank you tonight. There may be someone in this room, maybe someone watching online that's never made the first decision to give their life to you, to put you first, to give themselves personally. All these other things become easier when we give ourselves to you. I'm just gonna look across the building one time. You know if your heart's not right with God. You know if you're not at peace with God tonight. Maybe you're here and you've never made the decision to put God first. Maybe you're connecting with us online tonight. You've never made that decision, but today you say, Dave, you know it's time. I'm ready. I know what's missing, and it's that relationship with God. I'm ready to put God first. Or maybe, maybe you're here in the room. Maybe you're online. You say, you know what, Dave? There's some areas in my life that aren't... I, God used to be first place. He's not right now. But tonight I'm ready to put him back where he belongs. First place, number one in my life. Maybe you've allowed a relationship. Maybe you've allowed a job, something to come before God. But you don't want to leave here tonight. You don't want to click off tonight without making that decision to put God first place. That's you, I count to three, just real quick. If you're in the room or you're online, just pop up a little hand emoji. Let me pray for you real quick. One, two, three. Anybody? God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else in the room? If you're online, just pop up that little hand emoji. Father, thank you for those that lifted their hand in the room, those online that said, tonight I'm making a decision to put God first or to put God back first place in my life. Father, I thank you that you don't condemn us, but you do convict us. You show us areas of our life, things in our heart that may not 
be pleasing to you. But Father, you said it's as simple as this. If we'd give it to you, you'd remove it as far as the east is from the west. Today would begin a, a new day, a new, a new season. Lord, today that decision turns the page to a brand new chapter. And you, and you said it's as simple as this. If we'd believe in our heart, just say with our mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, we'd be saved. Saved means we'd be, we'd be safe. I want everyone to say those words with me. Say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.